seriously popular. Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. In today's episode... Did Chelsea bottle us in extra time? What are the secrets of Liverpool's academy? And the night it almost kicked off for me at the new camp. I'm Ian Ladyman. I'm Chris Sutton. And it's all kicking off. Six thirty PM last night, a tweet from the Chris Sutton Twitter account. Liverpool is a football club with a huge heart. Chelsea don't have a heart. Yeah, and that was that was me who actually tweeted that. We have seen some Twitter accounts in in sort of recent times sort of you know claim they're not they're not from that actual account um but yeah I did I did tweet that uh and I, I felt it yesterday watching the game um especially as as they went into uh extra time and and Jurgen Klopp chucked all his kids on uh, and you saw the way the the game was was panning out and and Liverpool have a have a cause and that that cause is is Jurgen Klopp and and sending him off uh, out of the club at the end of the season with trophies and and Chelsea seem to be a soulless club at this moment in time and then reading after the game uh, Pochettino's comments on that they you know would have been happy had it gone to penalties that sort of justified um, you know my comment more than uh, anything, but you know at, at the time I didn't know that he uh, he'd actually said that. But that pretty much sums up uh, both clubs. Liverpool had half a team yesterday, and Chelsea uh, couldn't you know didn't take their opportunity. And then when all the kids went on, if you're a Chelsea player at that moment, that should have been the moment where they thought, right, what an opportunity we have, and yet they retreated and wanted penalties. That's that's pretty gutless. That's, you know, unforgivable. Yeah, Mauricio Pochettino, the Chelsea manager, said afterwards that his players were tired. They, he said they started to lose their energy. Um, the team felt maybe penalties would be good uh, for us. Although the way that uh, the Liverpool goalkeeper, Callagher, was playing, I'm not sure that penalties would have been good for them. He was saving everything. That, that save um, early on from in the first half from Cole Palmer was absolutely magnificent. Um it did make me think this morning, uh, Paul Joyce writing in the Times came out with a great line where he said that the Cowboy Cup is normally a tournament where you, that you start by playing kids, i.e. in the early rounds. You don't normally finish the final playing with, with kids, which I thought was a, a superb <laughs> yeah. line. 
Liverpool were forced to do so because of all their injuries. Came through what was a terrific game. I, w- I was at Wembley, a real ebb and flow to the game. Chances either end, um, some pretty decent football played. And underneath it, of course, this pretty compelling m- narrative of Liverpool having six players under the age of 21 on the field, academy graduates, teenagers. We'll get to all that in a minute, the details of that. Jurgen Klopp afterwards described it as the most special triumph of his career. I think that's a stretch. He doesn't. Yeah, because it, it, the way which they've, which they've done it, you know, I mentioned they had half a team uh, and you, you think the players that uh, that they were missing, Alisson, Salah, Zobersly, Nunez, uh, Jota, Trent Alexander-Arnold. I mean, just think about that and you think, how can, how can Liverpool uh, possibly uh, be on the run of form which they're in and, and keep getting over the line? But, a lot of that is is down to Klopp and the and the culture and the environment uh, which which he's created at Liverpool. That that belief, that mentality to to get over the line any which way they can, and that and that really shone through. And a lot has been made about the young players coming on, and I got that. But they they have a cause, and uh, and, and Klopp is at the centre of it all. Jurgen Klopp has, has, has won the Premier League at Liverpool, the first uh, league title Liverpool had won for 30 years. He's won the Champions League at Liverpool. He's taken him to two other finals. Yeah, he thinks the dear old Carabao Cup win against Chelsea is the most special moment of his career. The people at the EFL, the Football League, who spend their lives being told that their competition <laughs> is useless and no one cares and they should take away the two-legged semi-finals, they'll be jumping for joy this morning that is the best bit of publicity they could ever ever have and you and I are sitting here grinning because we both like this tournament we think it's we think it's part of our uh, English kind of fabric of our game even though it's actually only 30 or 40 years old uh, we love it we think it should be kind of wrapped in cotton wool and kept and preserved and looked after and there you go Jurgen Klopp has done a bit uh, in our camp and for the EFL as well and fair and fair play to him but it's the first. It's the first trophy, Ian, isn't it? And that, uh, and uh, and we've we've seen, you know, what Klopp said about it. And then on the flip side, you've got Pochettino, where you know I said on uh, yeah. I think on Thursday that this was a World Cup final to him. It was it was that big for Chelsea in terms of perception of Pochettino and the job which he's done. Had they won that piece of silverware, I think that he would have been elevated. And now all of a sudden, I suspect we'll be talking about what happens to Chelsea moving forward. You know, is it going to be the end of Pochettino now? Should they should they stick with him? Should they make that managerial change? Because is he getting a good enough ch- uh, tune out of these players? And we know the answer to that. You know what, mate? He looked devastated afterwards properly devastated afterwards and I think that's because he realised the importance of this game for the, the reasons that you've just outlined there the first trophy for, um, of his time at Chelsea any trophy from a pretty barren season a route into Europe which it would have given him that, that route now looks blocked Chelsea are still ninth, 10th, 11th where they are in the Premier League miles away from getting into Europe through league places 
It was huge for him. What I will say, though, though now categorically, is that when you look at Liverpool and you look at that team yesterday, you look at the young players, you look at the way they came in and they're able to play almost seamlessly. Um, they look like they've been playing in that team all their lives, some of them. And I think that's because of Klopp. That's because of, I hate this saying it, but I'm going to say it, because of the DNA that now runs through that club because of Klopp. The DNA that Klopp's injected into that football club in the nine years that he's been there. He's got his fingerprints, his footprints, his personality all over that football club. And I think if Chelsea want a bit of that, in an age where you can't just throw money at football squads anymore because of financial fair play, if Chelsea want some of that, then they should do one thing and they should do it now. They should keep Pochettino and say to him, you do that for us. Because if they bin him, if they bin him now or in the summer, I don't know where they go. Well, I think I do know where they go. They go round and round and round and round in a circle. They've got to keep Pochettino. I I would agree with that. Um, what, what I think goes against him um, from... Yesterday's game, though, is what happened in extra time. Whose whose responsibility uh, is it when they went into extra time for for the team to to actually believe that they can get over the line when Liverpool put all the all the, all the young players on? Is it down to Pochettino? Is it down to the players on the pitch? Because Chelsea finished the second half with the momentum, with the with the chances, and you thought, blimey, if I was. Uh, I, I put myself in a, I don't want to say in a Chelsea shirt again, but it, at that particular at that particular moment when Liverpool were putting kid after kid on, if I was a Chelsea player, and they're more, I know Pochettino said at the end that they were, you know, similar ages, but if I was, you know, the the this the Chelsea team had far more, far greater experience. This was an opportunity, a moment for them to think. Blimey, you know, Liverpool putting the kids on at this moment. Let's let's go for the jugular. Let's smell blood. What a, what a great chance this is to actually uh, transform our season and actually get people talking about Chelsea again. And they and uh, Gary Neville used used the word they they bottled it. It's it's hard to disagree with that. They should have taken the game um, to Liverpool and been brave at that moment in time. And uh, and they didn't. They were passive. They sat off. They wanted penalties. I mean, you 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 couldn't make that up. Can I just say something? I think the billion pound bottlers line from Gary Neville was a great line in terms of it's done exactly what Gary and Sky would wanted it to do. It's got people talking. It's got headlines. It's given them what they want. And Gary speaks from the heart. I don't agree with him. I didn't see it. I didn't see Chelsea bottle that game. Chris, when did you ever see a team go gung ho in extra time? No one goes gung ho in extra time because everybody is thinking, everyone's thinking, shit, one mistake here and we're done. Uh, sorry, I don't but really that sums buy up, it. But hang on a minute. Hang on a minute. That it's it, it it's it's about mentality. It's about seizing. Piece, it's about it's about seizing the moment. But it's not the set piece. It wasn't the goal which mattered. And, and Pochettino coming out and saying that they wanted penalties tells you everything you need to know. The difference in mentality at uh, at both clubs, and they are they are poles apart. So it's actions. You know. It's it's all about the action at that moment when they went into extra time. Liverpool should have felt um, 
should have felt empowered, really, that, um, or sorry, Chelsea should have felt uh, empowered that Liverpool were putting on all these young players and thinking, blimey, we are never going to get a better opportunity. Can I just say something to you, mate? As you well know, because I've been kind of flooding your WhatsApp uh, channel with videos for my holiday, I've just been skiing with a five-year-old and I will tell you that kids don't feel fear. Kids don't feel fear, mate. And I think what you saw there was a bunch of kids playing for Liverpool who approached that who approached that extra time as though they had nothing to lose. And I but think that... when you've got when you've got players on the field who've won World Cups and things for, for Chelsea, I think the mentality is different. I'm not excusing them. I'm just saying it's a little bit lazy just to say uh, hang that they on a minute. It, that they hang on it. a minute. They just right. didn't win, mate. They just didn't right. win. Okay. It happens. Okay. Well, it, well. So if uh, if Chelsea played Liverpool, Chelsea first team played Liverpool under twenty threes. Who would your money be on? Chelsea. Exactly. Chelsea. Yeah, they didn't win, uh, mate. They uh, win. And, uh, win. Uh, it happens. And that, they the and that's it. Okay, and that's it. No, no, they didn't. They didn't miss the chances. In, a, in in extra time, they they retreated. That's what they did. They didn't seize the moment and that opportunity, and that that was that was their downfall. And that's where Pochettino has a problem because who does the blame fall upon? Is, is you know the manager he hooked Chilwell, he hooked Gallagher, who Gallagher he was knackered, mate. He was knackered. He'd, well, run his, uh, he'd, run his, he'd run his blood. Oh, yeah, knackered. We're all knackered. We're all tired. I mean, I can't. I cut my nearly knocked my microphone. You're so tired. You can't keep your microphone yeah. up, right? But that's. But but hang on a minute. You don't take your your leader off in that moment. Do you think Gallagher wanted to come off? I don't know. Maybe he's injured. Maybe maybe I'm wrong. But surely you can you know see it through. I don't. I don't. I'm not buying the knackered thing. I'm you know I'm I'm really not. So let's talk about Liverpool's kids, Chris, because it, um, dis- despite what we may think about Chelsea's limitations and problems and weaknesses, etc., uh, it was extraordinary to see uh, a Liverpool t- team with uh, Bobby Clark and James McConnell, who were both nine- 19, Jaden Dance, who is 18, uh, Connor Bradley had started the game, he's 20, uh, Jao Kwanza was on at the end, he's 21, um, Harvey Elliott had started the game. Extraordinary to see them do do what they did. A, a brilliant, a brilliant achievement and a brilliant occasion. Um, now, I, I read a, a fascinating interview in the Daily Telegraph at the weekend that Jamie Carragher did with Alex Inglethorpe, who was the uh, head of Liverpool's academy. Um, turned out to be a perfectly well timed piece ahead of ahead of what happened at Wembley. Um, and there were a few takeaways of that that I thought were, were fascinating. So, at Liverpool's academy. There's a £50,000 a year academy wage cap. Now, that's a lot of money for a kid. We accept that. However, in football terms, it's not. You know, I know stories of kids who've left academies because they've wanted, because they've wanted big money. No player at the academy is allowed to drive a car with a, with a bigger engine than 1.3 litres. Um, mobile, mobile phones are handed in in the morning at 8.30 a.m. and given back to them when they leave at the end of the day and they are still given uh, jobs to do around the place. I don't think we're going to go back oh. to sweeping terraces and cleaning boots, but they're given what's, jobs. What's to, wrong with that? What's, what, no. what's, did, it, did, it, did it detail the jobs? No, it didn't, I'm afraid. It didn't, but I will get on. I just want to read something that Alex Inglethorpe <coughs> said to Jamie Carragher. 
He said, I was fed up of seeing a car park full of Range Rovers. They have to earn what comes their way. To get there, you have to do it on the pitch. Trent Alexander-Arnold is a really good example. There was no flash watch. He drove the same car for years. He would wear the same tracksuit. Now that baton has been passed on with Trent ensuring the next in line display the same characteristics. Now, I love that. You're the ex-pro. You you grew up in the, in the old YTS days when you were paid a pittance every week and you were cleaning terraces, you were cleaning... £29.50 the first year there you uh, go. with a, bu- with a bus pass, £35 the second year. So that, from Inglethorpe, sounds to me a little bit like a throwback and I'd be fascinated to know what you make of that. I like it. I... I um, I tell you what I used to like about my old uh, apprenticeship days, YTS days, was being in and around the first team. So um, we we all used to have to get in um, eight o'clock in the morning. Clean. I used to have three players to look after, uh, and that would be putting the kit out, cleaning the boots. Those players were Tim Sherwood, Paul Blades, and 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 Ian Butterworth, first team players at uh, at Norwich City uh, back then, where where I did my apprenticeship. Um, we used to have to uh, scrub the floors after training, pick the dirty uh, kit up, um, sweep the dressing rooms, do you know absolutely everything. But I, I used to like going into the dressing room, the first team dressing room, and the first team players would would chat and take the Mickey out of us. Uh, but that's that's where I wanted to get to. That's where what you know what I wanted to become a, a first team player, and, and it was all about earning the right. We used to train with the first team. Uh, we used to do a pre-season together, youth team reserves, uh, and the first team, and uh, and a youth team coach would always make a point of saying, make sure that you finish ahead of the first team. Um, you know, in in the running. That's you know that's so important. They have earned the right. So being in and around that environment, where I wanted to to get to, listening to the first team players chat to each other when they when they spoke uh, to younger players like myself, it was it was gold. Uh, and and so something which which has happened now, I think at a lot of Premier League clubs is um, it is. They are sort of separate, aren't they? The youth team uh, training grounds and the first team training grounds. I don't think that that's necessarily a good thing. The stuff about the cars, uh, the, the Liverpool cars, fascinating. One point three, the the biggest engine, uh, you know, whatever, and and the cap on money. I think is really important because essentially, I don't know if you agree with this or not. You probably won't. But football is a working class game essentially and most players who you know get into football are, you, you know don't come from affluent uh backgrounds and you can have too much too soon you you always need that uh that sort of carrot and and that that drive to get on so you know the stuff with phones i mean phones are a nightmare uh you know a, across society most you know you walk down the street and you you you, you everybody's looking down at the phone scrolling on the phone but you know nearly bumping into people um you know i think that's a good thing concentrate on what matters and that is your career you're in your fledgling days focus on training 100% don't have too much too soon and and that's you know i think it's i think it's brilliant if that's what liverpool are doing it and other clubs should take note and copy before we move out of this i do want to mention jaden dance um, one of them, the uh, young Liverpool uh, uh, 18-year-old striker. So his dad, Neil, 
we know, was yeah. a player, played for Colchester, Crystal Palace, uh, many, many others. But apparently Jaden Dan's grandfather, Neil, was also successful in his own own field. He was a backing singer for uh, for the United Kingdom's 1987 Eurovision Song Contest entrance. Really? Which was a singer called Nicky, or Nicky, with a song called Only the Light. They came 14th in the 1987 Eurovision Song Contest. Wow. And that's, Jayden, that's good. Jayden, Jayden Dan's grandfather, Neil, was a backing singer. And also, I mean, this just gets more bizarre the longer this sentence goes on, was also a UK skateboarder. So there you go. There's some high achievers, high achievers in Jaden Dan's, uh, Dan's family. So uh, he might have something to live up to yet. Now, before we stop talking about yesterday's game, I think we might owe a little bit of an apology to Virgil van Dijk, you and I. Um, we've been on this podcast before talking about how Virgil hasn't quite reached the standards that he, that he once set before that knee injury that he suffered at Everton, how he wasn't quite, he was still, we've been saying that he's still an absolutely top class, elite level defender, but not quite at the level he once was. I tell you what, he hit those levels again yesterday. He's absolutely magnificent. Ibrahim Akinati wasn't far behind him, but Van Dijk was a leader in every sense of the word yesterday. Yeah, uh, I don't think we. I don't think we necessarily wrote him off, or I, I certainly didn't. You can you can speak for yourself, but uh, no, I think the level which he was at a few seasons ago before he um, he, he got that injury from the Jordan Pickford challenge, uh, you know, was was some level. But I mean, he was he was colossal yesterday. I, d- I don't know where I stood on the uh, on the disallowed goal which he which he scored. That did seem pretty sort of harsh. Uh, to me, but uh, that was that was justice, really. I think when he uh, when he powered the header in for the winner. Now, um, before we play a little bit of five aside, um, I just want to mention something that uh, an option that's available to everybody who listens to podcasts in terms of getting their messages to us. Um, we know that you can leave your comments uh, on our social media platforms. You can leave them in the comment sections on Spotify or on Apple Podcasts beneath each individual show. But there's also a phone number. There's also a phone number that you can send WhatsApp messages to, or you can leave a voice note if you have a question or a it's comment. It's not my about mobile number, is I was, it? Now, I was going to say, don't get excited. If you call this number, Chris <laughs> Sutton will not answer the phone. Okay, I think Jobless Ben might answer the phone. Actually, that might be what Jobless Ben's <laughs> job actually is. Ben might answer the phone, but more likely that nobody will. But this is a number. Put my glasses on to read it. It's. O double seven nine six six five seven five one two. O double seven nine six six five seven five one two. That's our WhatsApp number. You can leave a voice note, leave a message, send us a send us a WhatsApp. <coughs> leave us let us know what you think. Vote in one of our polls. Uh, leave a comment. Ask a question, and we'll get to it. Right now, let's play some five aside. Are you ready to rank off? It's time for Five Aside. Just talk briefly about Virgil Van Dyke, uh, captain's performance at Wembley yesterday. And so I'm with my it's my turn to do Five Aside. I was away last week, as we know. I am going to uh, nominate my five best Premier League captains of the Premier League era, and I'm going to go. Um, five up to number one. And in fifth place, I have got John Terry of Chelsea, the heart and soul, I think, of Mourinho's great Chelsea team at Stamford Bridge. 
a leader in every sense of the word. Number four, Vincent Company, Manchester City, um, a captain during a transformative time at the Etihad Stadium. Uh, wasn't always the most popular with his manager, Roberto Mancini. Mancini thought Company was a bit too smart for his own good at times. Used to nickname him the Professor. I don't think Company ever knew that, but that was what he used to call him in his private moments. But nevertheless, Vincent Company struggling at Burnley at the moment as manager, but a brilliant captain at City lifted their first Premier League trophy, of course, 2000. And twelve, Tony Adams in number th- is there for me at number three. Arsenal's great skipper um, Adams absolutely could have decided that um, the newfangled methods of Arsene Wenger that were introduced to the club when Wenger arrived back in the day were nonsense, and he wasn't going to have it. And I think if he wasn't going to have it, everybody else would have followed him. But what Adams saw the writing on the on the wall got front and central in terms of everything that Wenger wanted to do. Arsenal and led them through that glorious period. Number two in my list, Roy Keane. Of course, Keane was going to be in it. I always say about captains uh, and great players, the really important and telling thing about a truly great leader, a truly great captain is an ability to keep their own levels high when other players' um, standards are dipping. Keane always did that. He, He probably would have been my number one had it not been for a few things that maybe he did that maybe uh, perhaps didn't set the best examples to his team. And uh, there we go. And that leaves us number one, Stephen Gerrard, Liverpool's great captain, simply because were it not for were it not for Gerrard, Liverpool would never have won that Champions League in 2005. Scored the game against Olympiacos to make sure that they didn't get knocked out at an, at an earlier stage and then started the comeback in Istanbul. So Stephen Gerrard, my uh, number one captain of the Premier League era. Chris, uh, I'm sure you've got a view on all of that. Well, I mean, firstly, there there was football before the Premier League, Ian. You're a bit of a Premier League snob, aren't you? Um, listen, a, a bit of, listen, bit listen, of a snob you... all round, really. What 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 about what about? That's, uh, that's just rude. What about that's just rude? What about great the great stories of the Premier League? Little Blackburn Rovers, Little Leicester City winning the Premier League. Tim Sherwood and and Wes Morgan. Stephen Gerrard never won a Premier League. I mean, I'll, yeah, I'll, I'll grant those. you he won the won the Champions League. How can you have Roy Keane in second? Yeah, but Blackburn Blackburn bought the Premier League. Remember? <laughs> don't don't be don't be jealous. You can't go down that route. Come on, well, you just uh, called me a snob. I, I just mean, well, I just uh, I think Gerard at, at number one, great captain, which he was. <laughs> bit of a bit of a stretch. My number one would be. I'm sort of old older school though, aren't I? So I would say that the the greatest leader, the greatest leader, Tony Adams. I would. Is this such a thing as older older school? <laughs> I think we're both old school. You've just declared yourself to be yeah, older but school. gone gone back to the start of the Premier League. Oldest era, school, really Oldest older. School. But it's hard to look past Terry. I mean, you as you know, you look at Chelsea now and what they what they lack. Um, and I said no heart, but you know when Terry was there, when uh, you know Peter Cech and Lampard and Drogba that. You know, we, we should do greatest five spines of of football teams. You wouldn't beat that one um, at now, Chelsea. Last week, we um, when I was away, yourself and Dominic King talked about the five best players never to come to play in the Premier League, um, or who would you would like to have seen Dom, play in the Premier League. Dom, Dom didn't did, have Messi in. I mean, Dom can did you? His list he didn't have Messi. In, he made that? a right mess of it. 
Um, a couple of comments here. Joe Kilday on Twitter uh, went number one, Messi, two, Maldini, three, Ronaldinho, four, Zidane, five, Iniesta. And Ryan Alder on Twitter, Messi, Maradona, Cruyff. Not sure Cruyff could have played in the Premier League, but there we go. Unless you meant Jordi. Uh, Zidane and Ronaldo, i.e. the original one, the Brazilian the Brazilian mm. one. Um, the I, one. My own, the, one, the player I would love to have seen play in the Premier League was Sergio Busquets of Barcelona, holding midfield player. What a player. I've mentioned him before mm. on this podcast. Would love to have seen him play. Imagine putting him into... Imagine putting him into centre of Liverpool's midfield now or something Norwich City in the heyday Busquets and Crook yeah I was just I was just uh, I was just coming to that Um, now one um, there there were there was Premier League football this weekend we've we've been um, excited about the Carabao Cup final which is great Um, there were very good wins for Manchester City um, that wasn't a very good it was a win well I think a win at this stage of the season and you know this, having won a Premier League, a win away from home at this stage of the season when you're going for a title is gold dust, mate. And they won at Bournemouth, and that's all. Yeah, that you said very good them. wins. It was, an, you know, it's, because it's an every ugly, wins a very good it's win. An you know, ugly it's, Manchester you know City. Exactly. Team. Do, do, you you know, know, do you know what upset me? I, and I'm really annoyed about this. Is uh, you can see you, you, you're giving me a strange look, but in my uh, in my fantasy Premier League team. <sighs> And made a massive mistake at the weekend. Made, made a transfer, a put Hoyland in, so I had to wild card. And and in my wild card team, I put Kyle Walker in, Doku in, and Alvarez in. And Pep didn't start any of them. He didn't start any of them. Pep Guardiola is a disgrace. I'm not interested in your fantasy football team. Well, I, well, I am. It's, it's ruined not, my weekend. I'm not interested in your fantasy life. I'm not interested in any of your fantasies. But what did... Uh, <laughs> I think you're I'm not, some can of, I just I say, some don't, of them. Don't, toot, don't toot your horn. You're not involved in any. I think what, what did interest me in that the City selection at the weekend was De Bruyne, Grealish, Doku, all on the bench, which I thought was... Extraordinary in many ways. They won the Ridiculous. game. It doesn't matter. Doesn't it didn't matter. It won the game, but that was a that was a weird one. Um, I was also astonished to see Grealish there. Given <laughs> before I went on holiday, I went to that game in Copenhagen. Copenhagen when he went down injured, I thought we'd seen the last of I thought we'd seen the last of Grealish this season. I spent about mm. five minutes on the last podcast we did talking about the the tragedy of the end of Jack Grealish's season. Turns out he was up and about within about two days. Miracle, yep. miracle, Lazarus, yep. Lazarus, Lazarus Grealish. Um, anyway, so it was a good win for City. I think it was a good win for City and a great win for Arsenal um, in hammering Newcastle at home. Um, I begin to wonder, you know, looking forward to the to next season beyond, we know that there's uncertainty at, at a club like Liverpool because Jurgen Klopp is going, whether we are going to see a little bit of a breakaway with these three clubs, City, Arsenal, Liverpool, simply because... The clubs that are trying to catch them and trying to kind of stay with them are so constrained now by the Premier League's financial rules that it's going to be desperately difficult. No, do you want to go back to Do you want to go back to the old Wild West days to just spend what you but, like? But if you're if you're Chelsea, you're Chelsea, or you're Newcastle, or you're Manchester United, and you're looking to bridge that gap, that is going to be very very difficult now. Very, very difficult. Newcastle's situation is extraordinary. The richest club in the world, already talking about maybe having to sell players to buy players in the summer. 
And yet, you know, here they, there they are, seventh, eighth, ninth in the league, getting cut, getting cut adrift from the top four, a position they occupied last season. It's going to be very difficult for them to get back to get to get back there, just like it will be for Manchester United. You know, I don't know where you're going with this. So Jim Ratcliffe can talk all he likes about building a new, building a bigger museum at Old Trafford and building a bigger club shop and knocking down the stadium and rebuilding it, etc. Although Ratcliffe's suggestion that he might do that with public money is absolutely extraordinary. I've never heard such nonsense in my life. But the thing that they need to do is what's, rebuild. What's, a- just to explain, I mean, I, I, I don't, I don't, I don't really understand where you're going with this. What, what, what's saying, the thing about the, just, the public, the public money? If I, I, and I don't, I don't, I don't really understand where you're going with that. So what's what's the issue with Ratcliffe and uh, and, and 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 public money building well, look, a, a, a new stadium? I don't, well, I don't know either way. So Jim, but if it's going to, if, if 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 he wants a Wembley of the North, what's the issue with that? And and from if what I've read, Wembley developing the North, parts of for himself, that's the issue. End off. That's the issue. You want a new stadium, mate? Build it. He's, he's, he's now a. He's now a thirty percent shareholder of a football club that is that has has been paying a dividend that has been paying a dividend to its own owners, the Glazers, for years and years. A football club that turns over so much money each year and has a potential to make so much money every year. They can't afford to build their own stadium. That's their own problem. Nobody built a stadium for Tottenham. Yeah? No one built a stadium for Tottenham. They want a Wembley of the North, they should pay for it. Pay for it. Find the money, build it, pay for it. It's what everyone else has to do. Okay, that's simple as that. I was just, I, I was that. just playing devil's Talk, advocate. There's no need to be so aggressive. Does, 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 old... does, does, the, does the north? Does the north need a Wembley? Well, it, no. Well, does it need? Doesn't need a? Doesn't need a money? Doesn't need a Wembley more than it needs better better hospitals and better rail infrastructure and better roads? No, it doesn't. So, if you want us to talk about spending public money on the north, spend it on a foot. Don't spend it on a football stadium. Manchester United want to build a new Old Trafford. Pay for it and build it and get on with it. I thought it was extraordinary. Just remarkable. Hold that thought. We'll be back right after this. Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit BetterHelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. You're in Scotland. You were at Motherwell yesterday. Your Celtic had a bit of a squeaky one to, um, to overturn a halftime deficit. Um, to win 3-1 three, three at, at Motherwell. Uh, two points behind Rangers at the top of the Scottish Premiership. Um, Brendan Rodgers under a little bit of pressure and this morning he's under a little bit of focus after giving this interview after yesterday's game to Jane Lewis of BBC Scotland. Because like I say, there's a story being written about this group. Uh, so, uh, But we will write our own story. 
can you give no. us a bit more? You can't give no, us. You don't want no, to give us a bit more insight no, into that and what you mean no, by that. No, no, no. You know exactly what I mean. I'm not. I'm. Not, I'm actually not sure. I do exactly know what, know okay. what you mean. Okay. Can you can you tell no. us? People might be interested to know. To, to, no, no. But but you but you're the one that's bringing that yes, up. Absolutely. So so, I, yeah. so can you not give okay. us some more on it? Done. Good guy. Well done. Cheers. Not the first or last time we'll hear a manager give a rather chatty post-match interview. Managers under pressure when they come to talk to media straight from games, adrenaline running and all the rest of it. However, I do think that Brendan will probably have woken up this morning to regret calling Jane Lewis uh, a good girl at the, end of, at, at the end of that interview. I'm going to ask you, Chris, in a little bit what, what you make of it. I'll tell you, first of all, what, what I make of it. Um, I don't know Brendan Rodgers well. I would never claim to. But I've been a, around Brendan for you know the decade or so that he's been... Um, in our lives as a, as a football manager at, at Swansea and, and Liverpool and Celtic and Leicester and now Celtic again, um, I think Brendan Rodgers is a, is a good guy. I think he's I think he's a genu- I think he's a genuine guy. I think he's someone who treats people well. I think he's someone who treats people equally. I've never heard a single story of, of Brendan being uh, patronising, condescending uh, to anybody. Really, never mind um, making a distinction on the matter of whether they happen to be a a man or a woman or a boy or a girl. Um, I don't think Brendan Rodgers is sexist. Um, however, I d- however, I do think that's a poor... I do think that under pressure, that's a poor choice of poor choice of words. And I also think... I was thinking about this last night when I listened to it. I think if I... I think if I described a colleague at work as a good girl, I think, I think I'd expect her to be pretty pissed off with me. And I think on the sly or on the quiet, I would probably, I would probably feel that I wanted to to say sorry for, for, for that, for that use of language. Um, and I wonder if Brendan's woken up this morning, maybe feeling the same. What's your view on it? I mean, yeah, I mean, I, I work up here, you know, a lot and, uh, you know, I, I understand the environment, um, up here. I think Brendan, as you've said, is a manager under pressure. There's a, there's a title race on, uh, at this moment in time. And I think, yeah, he'd maybe wake up this morning and except that you know maybe he'd made a misstep, but some of the stuff I've I've uh, seen online about um, you know it's it's uh, casual sexism. I don't think that uh, that Jane Lewis, um, who who asked him the question, and actually it's a really good question about the narrative, and I'll uh, you know I'll come to that, but she's not taking any offence. And, and and just with that, I, I mean I I went to interview uh, Brendan. Uh, for Sky at the start of the season, and he, you know, he, on a couple of occasions, called me a lad. Uh, that's that's his terminology. After most press conferences, you hear him say to the press guys, you, you, or some of the press guys, you know, good man, good lad, whatever. That's his terminology. I don't, I really think that, you know, we're going down a a dangerous route if if that's the way that Brendan speaks and has always been very courteous with the with the press as far as I can see if we're if we're you know trying to pin things on him uh, in, in a certain way was it condescending I'm not I'm not going to argue with that but this is a guy who's gone back to Celtic he left under a, a bit of a cloud we all know that I thought he was really ballsy to to go back um, and take the job and you know he's he's taken the job and it's been a really difficult season the champions league hasn't gone well second in glasgow is last the pressure is on him and he would have been a bit cranky uh, in the interview his, t- his team are playing in fits and starts you know they they're basically playing a half 
uh, of every ninety of every ninety minutes well, and that happened again yesterday. They were insipid in the first half. Second half, much better performance. Got over the line, closed the gap at the top to two points. The uh, the stuff about the narrative, the question Jane Lewis asked, I, I thought was a le- legitimate question because I don't, I don't, nobody knows what narrative Brendan is talking about. I can only assume he's talking about that people are expecting Rangers to win the league now, and it's that's at a dead and buried the title race, and he's trying to use that to galvanise his team and his dressing room. But this is a guy who's under pressure. He's come out. He's given an interview. Didn't like the question, and that's it. But Come on, let's not let's not start reading into things which just aren't there because that's not fair. If that's the way Brendan speaks, I was taken aback when he when he called me lad. He pat me on the head and called me lad when I did, you know, he just about reached at the start of the season. Patted <laughs> you on the head? Did he? Yeah. Did he was he standing on a step ladder? And I thought, oh, that's a bit odd, you know. It's the, the you know the same, but you know, I don't like things like. Uh, like this when we're looking for things which which simply aren't there. I think yeah. it's. Um, I'll I, I, I go back to where I started on it, which I do think it's. A, I think it's a regrettable phrase, regrettable terminology, uh, but more, but most important, I think that Brendan will realise that. Or I hope that Brendan will realise that, um, and probably you know, maybe have a quiet word with himself about it. Because but, some, but there's but, but there's also the thing, Ian, right? And uh, and this is this is a, this is a serious point. And we we need to understand this. And I'm not I'm not you know it, it's it's up to it's up to individuals the way they want to 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 view what Brendan said, um, you know, and, and and how it was said, and 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 was there any underlying meaning in it? You know, that's that's presumptuous as far as I can see. But managers come out, and we do need to understand this, and you will understand it better than me. Managers come out. Um, after games, they're in highly pressurised positions, and they are they are emotional and they are pumped up because they are so desperate to do well. There is no other city, and you work down south, and we know the you know the the money the Premier League has. There is no other city like Glasgow in the footballing world, as as far as I can see. You know, is a goldfish bowl that has that has that reputation. This is a guy who is under the pump. His Celtic team haven't performed as they should have done this season, and uh, and you know and and he's, he's I think he's feeling it, and that's that's the long and the short of it. So we have to understand that uh, as well. But you know I do think it's uh, it, you know it, it's not right when we're when we're going down uh, you know these routes and, and looking for things. If if he didn't use the terminology sort of um or ever use terminology like that i could i i, I could i could sort of understand where they're going and it, you know it he'll probably view it as a misstep but you know he calls everybody good man good lad you look at the sky interviews he does with luke shanley you know good man at the end what what, what are we doing um, talking of cranky and pressure there was a little bit of uh a little bit of that on show at Molyneux on Sunday as Sheffield United lost to 1-0 at, at Wolves. Um, two Sheffield United players, Vinicius Souza and Jack Robinson, squaring up to each other on the field. Um, bit of a pushing and shoving match. Um, heads briefly kind of touching. Um, although I think if that had been kind of <laughs> a opponent for... Uh, players from either team, at least one of them would have ended up on the floor. That's the way it tends to happen these days, exaggerating contact. But 
bit of an argy-bargy. Um, Chris Wilder said afterwards it didn't bother him. In fact, he thought it was indicative of team spirit and a will to win. Um, you've been there, of course, um, not directly involved. Uh, your time at Blackburn, um, uh, David Batty, Graham Lasso, December 1995, Spartak, Moscow, away. Um, that was fisticuffs. Ooh, proper um, scrap, that, wasn't it? Uppercuts and hooks, a, a proper one. Not like the one, the one yesterday was... Was nothing. The thing about the Lasso and Batty one was that watching it back last night, Lasso seemed to throw the first punch, which I think was pretty brave. Yeah, uh, there was that. And if you see Tim Sherwood throws a punch as well while breaking it up, and who did he throw the punch at? Oh, really? if he, who does he throw the punch at? Lasso. Um, yeah, well, well, you you you'll know David Batty, spiky, uh, spiky Yorkshireman. But uh, yeah, I, I mean they, they just had words, and and Lasso was a feisty character. But uh, and Batty reacted and did what everybody else in the dressing room wanted to do at that particular time and bang Lasso out. What was the issue with Lasso? <laughs> he, was, he was quite. Who, how can how how can I talk? Uh, it, he's, he was a good player, Graham, but he wasn't he wasn't shy. I mean, you know, you'll see him on the media circuit now. Here, and he's we've all mellowed a lot. He, you know, he. He couldn't sort of help himself. He had a, I don't know whether I should say this, a, a, a form of Tourette's, I think. You know, he sort of just, you know, just <laughs> if, if he felt something, he would say it. And uh, and David Batty, good Yorkshireman, uh, you know, didn't didn't take to what Lasso said very well. So so let him know with his fists. So you're essentially saying that David Batty eventually did what uh, what everybody yeah. else in that Blackburn squad yeah. had been wanting to do for quite Absolutely. a while. Absolutely, yeah. <laughs> what was your view on it? Because I, I, I'd look, and I'm not, I'm not you are, bringing this up yeah, to ridicule. You are, I was on the bench. Uh, but when, yeah, you were on the bench. But were you still on the bench at that point, or had you come on? Just what it was 12, 12, 15 minutes into the game, I think. So I hadn't. It right, wasn't. It okay. wasn't that. So it was wasn't your, that desperate. What, yeah. What was what was your view on it, and what was you know, and what was the reaction on the amongst the go subs? On, go on, Batty. <laughs> go on. Have him. Now there was another. Now the, now there was an, and what was it like afterwards? I mean, what what's the dressing room like at half time after that's happened? Uh, <laughs> are you shaking? Are they shaking hands or is it carrying no, on? No, most footballers bear grudges for. Uh, so did it for, carry on? In yeah, they see. I mean, they're, 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 it is. It is literally like I, I watched match of the day too last night. And Ashley Williams, they were saying these things happen, you know, pretty often, and and they do not on the uh, not uh, not, uh, not not on the not. Not on the pitch, you you know you have to restrain yourself. I, I saw the um, the Dyer Boya scrap. That was a, that was a mm. that was pretty good. But on the training ground, I, I mean, I would somebody would try and attack me most months. I don't know why. I was I was misunderstood. I I, um, I mean, there was a guy at Celtic called Oliver uh, Tebbley who uh, I got in a skirmish with, and he he threatened that he was going to come and beat me up in the evening in in the hotel so i made sure i put a chair behind the door he would have ripped my head off oliver but yeah he he, he always used to get really tight on me in training and i threw an elbow and then we and i, I knew that he would you know he would he would do me in because you know he was more handy than me but i but you can't you can't back down in that moment i was just hoping that the lads would get in the middle of us what what about you boys at the i mean who would you like to who would you like to bang out at the who would you like to bang out at the mail right i'll tell you a story right Here i'll tell go. you a, 
Who's trying to hit you? I will tell you a story. After a couple right? of pints. I'll tell you a story. Got to make a decision on the hoofy about whether I'm going to name names or not. I don't think I am. Everybody who was there will remember. They said, know who I'm talking about. And he's a mate. Can I guess I'm after? not going to name him because it's not fair. But I'll tell you a story. <laughs> so, so we're at, well, put it this way, you know him as well. So we were at, we were, uh, we were at uh, Barcelona, Manchester United away in Barcelona. It was, it was a Champions League semi-final when... Um, United drew nil-nil in the first leg. I think Ronaldo missed a penalty and Skull scored the screamer in the second leg to, to, to win the tie. Anyway, so there'd been a story the night before the game in the new Camp. And normally on these trips, um, without getting into the minutiae of how it all works because it's tedious and nobody cares, but usually on these trips, a lot of information is shared amongst journalists because... It's you know it's no it's it's there is a bit of collaboration goes on between organisations. It's the way it goes, and normally on these trips there there would be a bit of that. But for one reason or another, on this trip, information wasn't shared. Some outlets had a story that others didn't about a big Man United injury, and I'm not going to tell you which side defence I was on. All I will say is that at the end of the game, the end of the, so this thing had simmered all all day before the game because. They were on one, there's journalists on one side of the fence, journalists on the other, those who'd written it, those who hadn't, and it simmered all day, and it simmered through the game, and it simmered through the press conference after the game. And as we were leaving the, the press room at the new Camp to go down the stairs to the player interview area where they were getting on the bus, this journalist it exploded. It had been simmering, and then it boiled over. And this guy came at me, and we were finger jabbing and arguing and going at it and all the way down it takes about five minutes to get from the press conference room to the interview area at the new camp and all the way down the stairs this argument was going on and it was getting louder and louder and then it would stop and then it would start again and eventually when we arrived in the interview area just as the Manchester United players were walking through it, it went off. It, it went off. It kind of got all... It, it got, what do you mean went off? Well, it Come got... On. It began It began to get physical. And all all I remember, <laughs> all I remember is that myself and this other guy, essentially, he's bigger than me, essentially squaring off That's in the interview difficult. area at the new Camp as Cristiano Ronaldo walked past. And apparently the look <laughs> on Ronaldo's face as he looked over this kind of sea of cameras and notebooks and tape recorders to seeing these mm. two... In- Apparently, I was in a kung fu position. Apparently, I don't know what I, don't, I don't know what I was. I don't know what I was intended to do. I've never done any martial arts in my life. I've never had a fight. Hong Kong fui. Apparently, I was in a Hong Kong fui position, right? And then, and, and Renat, the look on Ronaldo's face was one of absolute incredulity. Apparently, that these two guys are about to go at it in this essentially what was a glorified underground car park. Anyway, it never so, happened. So, so my question, my people question got, is: people is, got between us, and it never happened. Thankfully, never happened. Would you have done him? Oh, absolutely not. No, absolutely not. No, no, I think my, I think my Kung Fu position, I think that was my first position. My second position would have been to do the 100 metres as fast as I possibly possibly could. But I tell you what, that, 20 seconds. that couldn't happen these days. Because, I, mean, I mean, that happened now, be on social media, somebody would, have, somebody would have been filming it, it would have been, it would have been out there. Me and, you know, me and Kung Fu, me and Hong Kong Fu would have been ever, ever entwined on social media had, had that happened now and not 15 years ago. Now, quickly, before we get into our moments of the weekend and talk about football again, 
apart from my, uh, uh, as, as opposed to my amateur boxing career. Um, let's do a quick poll, and, yeah, and this will go up on Spotify after the show's finished. Very, very quick poll. It does look oh, pretty much as though Burnley and Sheffield United are heading down, but who is going to join them? Let's have a poll um, on Spotify. Let's have uh, in the poll, let's, I think we should have Luton, Everton, Nottingham Forest. Let's have, let's have those three. My money would be on Luton. I said on the podcast that it did before I went away that I just think their fixtures, they've got very, very difficult away games. I think it's going to be too much for them. I think Luton will be going down, so the three that came up will go back down. But let's have a poll on Spotify. Luton, Everton or Forest. Now, moments of the weekend, I think you should go first. Um, well, it's sort of full circle, this. We we started about a, uh, a tweet and uh, we'll finish with the tweet. Now, poor old Michael Beale. Um, I thought he was unfortunate to um, to lose his uh, job as Sunderland manager. Um, but I don't know whether you saw this. It's widely reported, this, this story about uh, he had certain support on social media and then somebody did a bit of digging about the positive positive uh, tweets um, about Michael Beale on X uh, saying basically that um, that he was doing a good job and they tracked down the uh, the that particular account and it was Michael Beale. Yeah, it's, I mean, it's a little bit, it's remi- it reminds me a little bit of the old, the old Wagatha, Wagatha Christie, yeah. kind of Rebecca Vardy, Colleen Rooney thing, really. Um, it does look as though Michael might have been bigging himself up and uh, didn't help him. Would you? Would you ever? Would you ever do stuff like that? Have you? Have you ever done stuff like that? What? Well, a burner I, account. Well, you I'm, got. You got a burner phone. Well, I'm always on. I'm always on Spotify and Apple Podcasts, leaving glowing reviews for this podcast. So yeah, <laughs> <laughs> you, you know, I'm disappointed that you haven't been as well. No, and I've never been, and I've never had a Twitter parody account. When at the top of this show, you started by t- by essentially suggesting that. Um, People occasionally claim their accounts are hacked, etc. I thought you were about to tell me that you had a parody account. A Chris Sutton Twitter parody <laughs> account would, Farmer Sutton, mm. we could call it, would be something. Although, to be honest, I don't think anybody could actually uh, send you up. I don't think anybody could invent a life for you on Twitter that would be, would, would be as bizarre and unconventional and completely over the top as your life actually is. With your, oh, that's nice. Well, that's a compliment in a way. It's a compliment. It's just that you you do manage to juggle. You manage to juggle quite a lot of responsibilities to children, horses, uh, donkeys, dogs, cats, cats media organisations, football. Made a mouse in the bedroom the, last night. I've never heard it called that. What do you mean? What in um what in um that, in Sutton um, Towers? Right. Yeah, yeah, there was a. Yeah, mouse in the bedroom. We're well, not short. Yeah. You're not short of cats to kind of sort that problem. No, we yeah, we get the get the cats upstairs. Whose yeah. bedroom? What in the, what in the master bedroom? In the in the big bedroom. Yeah. Oh really? So what did yeah. she what did she do? Yeah. Screamed. What rang calls? Screamed and co- screamed and co- called me. I said, well, I said it's quite tricky. I'm you know a couple hundred miles away, uh, so I can't do anything about it. Get it? I tell you what, get a cat upstairs. It's about time. So I'm even. 
It's about time there's mm. some screaming in that bedroom. Um, what happens at our? What happens? What happens at our? What happens at our house? Seriously, well, in your bedroom, what dear me. At, what happens in our house? Is Where are I, we going with this? Is that I tend to come home from trips abroad or trips to London. I actually once came home from a World Cup. I've been away for six weeks, and I came home, and I walked into the lounge. Wasn't that? And Vicky just pointed at the corner. So what's that? Says so you need to sort that out. And it was a, it was a it was a it was an upturned cup, it was an upturned cup, and there'd been a spider in it for four weeks. No spider in no, it for well, that's four cruel. weeks. That was her way of dealing with it. Which I think there's a spider in the corner of the room. I'm scared of spiders. I'm just going to put a cup over it, and it stayed there. For, it stayed there for four weeks. Stayed spiders there for four are weeks. really important. I know, really yeah. important spiders are. Well, look, if you want to get in touch. Do so. Let her know. I did. Right. Okay. Oh, my my moments of the weekend. We're running running long on this show. I thought gonna, that was it. I'm going to make it quick. So I've got two. Obviously, uh, my rugby league team, Wigan Warriors, are now world champions. They beat Penrith Panthers at the DW on Friday in the World Penrith Cup, in the world the M6 Penrith from uh, the Blue Mountains, New South Wales, Australia. Chris, a, huge, a terrific win from Matty Pete and his brave boys. Although I do have to say, I do have to say, the try that made the difference um, in that game, i.e. essentially the winning try. Honestly, you think we've got VAR problems in football? <laughs> Let's have a look at the try. It was never a try and it still wasn't overruled by the video referee. So there we go. But well done, Matty Pete. And his brave Wigan boys, champions of the world. Who would have, who would have yeah, thought it? Winning with a debate to try. Well in done. Terms of football. In terms of football, Fulham's second goal. I loved it. The winning goal at Old Trafford. Normally, what happens in journalism is when a team like Manchester United loses at home, everybody talks about Manchester United and how bad they are and what a terrible performance it was and about their problems. It's 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 not right. Supporters of smaller clubs get wound up by it. So let's just say here and Fulham now, a small club. Brilliant back to front, one end of pitch winning goal when they were under pressure. Fulham have been to Old Trafford before in recent times and had victory snatched away from them, particularly in the FA Cup, I think, last season when they did themselves a lot of damage with a couple of sending, sendings off. That was a brilliant goal and a brilliant way to see out the game. So, well done, Fulham. Now, that's it. We're done. A bit of a long show, a bit of a varied show. Thanks for being with us, everybody. I'm delighted to be back for my holiday and doing this again. I do miss it when I don't see you, Chris, whether it's in person or staring through your laptop screen from a hotel room in Scotland as you are right now. So thanks for listening. Um, one thing I would ask, please, uh, whether you're on Apple Podcasts or Spotify, please subscribe. It's really important. Please leave some comments and also let us know where you are listening from because we find that really interesting as well. Um, we'll be back on Thursday for our It's All Kicking Off weekend preview show. It's FA Cup week, by the way. So we'll have a few of those games to talk about. Big game for Man United at Forest. Big game for Newcastle at Blackburn. Big game for Chelsea, I believe, at home to Leeds. So we'll have some of that to look back on as well. Thanks again for being with us. I am Ian Laderman. That other guy is Chris Sutton. This has been It's All Kicking Off. Mom does 
deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.